Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm so pleased to have Elizabeth Hamlet as my guest today. Elizabeth is a learning specialist and consultant working with students in Columbia University's Disability Services Office and has worked at the college level for two decades. In addition to working as a college consultant, she is a nationally requested speaker who educates professionals, parents, and students about how to prepare students with disabilities for success at college. Hamlet is the author of From High School to College, Steps to Success for Students with Disabilities, and her work has appeared in numerous journals and online platforms, including understood.org, where she serves as a college transition expert. Welcome, Elizabeth, and thank you so much for joining me today to talk about your work and the importance of preparing properly for transition to life after high school. Thank you so much, Gilda. I really appreciate it. Um, let me just put a little caveat in there. I do work as a consultant at Columbia University, but they probably don't want to be responsible for anything I say in this conversation. So um, I'm here representing just myself and not the university. Noted. Elizabeth is representing Elizabeth C. Hamlet. Okay. Thank you. Yep. There we go. All right. All right. Um, so now that we have clarified that, let's begin <laughs> um, by asking what should families know about the differences between high school special education and the college disability accommodation system? That's a good place to start. Um, in many ways, it's, it's sort of turned on its head from what parents might be used to. And one thing I often say when I'm speaking to parents is that the differences in the system probably mean a lot more to parents than they do to students. Um, obviously, it depends upon, you know, the level of involvement and self-advocacy students have had while they were in high school, um, how passive they were. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean, you know, whether they were, you know, the kinds of students we sometimes encounter who really you know, want to go seek things out. Um, so, and what I mean is that um, this, the, the system at college is driven and initiated by the student. So colleges will um, ask students, once they have been accepted and enrolled, perhaps with their, um, the paperwork that they fill out along with their deposit, um, uh, perhaps at orientation sessions or what we call sometimes resource fairs where all of the student activities, offices, and health services are at, you know, little tables as the kids walk around and get their freebies. Um, we might be there um, letting students know that we exist, but nothing happens until a student actually registers with our office. So, you know, um, for those who are not aware, um, IDEA, which uh, is Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, which is the one that provides for IEPs and all manner of services, has a child fine provision in it. And there is no child fine at college. And in fact, IDEA does not apply uh, to colleges at all. So I, it's not like exactly for that reason, but it's just the fact that students who want to have accommodations have to find the disability services office, if there is a full proper office or the contact person at their college and complete whatever registration uh, process there is. And often, you know, students will be asked what accommodations they are looking for rather than, you know, simply being told 
what they will get. A lot of schools actually want to know what students have used in the past and, and, and what they are seeking. Um, and then once they have their accommodations approved, very often students are active participants in the um, coordination of their accommodations in that uh, they may have to uh, bring, you know, letters of accommodation to their professors to let them know they've had accommodations. Um, at some schools, such as where I work now, every time there's an exam, students have to have a form that uh, their professors complete that students then return um, to the office to make sure that we know that they have exams, we know which professor we need to get the exam from so we can get it to the proctored room. Um, where they'll have their accommodations. So it, it's very different in that way. Well, how does a student know what accommodations they're even entitled to ask for? Um, I, I understand that you said that very often the uh, Disability Services Office wants to know what they've had in the past, which could clue them in to what the student might need at the college level. But very often, especially if this is a new experience for the student, mm -hmm. they're, they're not really sure what they can ask for or what's available to them. So how would they gain access to the accommodations that they can have and, and can get if they ask for them? Well, and that's a good question. I'm, I'm going to just put a pin in that for a minute because there was a word that you used that I, I want to um, to discuss because I see this come up in online conversations and sometimes in posts that I read. And that word was entitled. Um, and I realize you just used it in this conversation, but I think it's an important word as we talk about accommodations too. Um, just because students received certain accommodations in high school, that does not entitle them to the same ones in college. And I think a lot more people know this now than used to, but I don't think enough people know that. Um, colleges are not required to provide the same accommodations student students had in high school. And if they are using you know, some fairly basic accommodations that are widely available, that won't be an issue for them. Um, but Often when it comes to, you know, things especially that sort of fall more into the modification territory, um, such as the ability to retake tests for a higher grade, um, those are the kinds of things that often are not available at college and that, you know, again, it doesn't just because they've had this in the past, it doesn't entitle them uh, to that at the next setting. And so to, to now return back to your, your initial question, um, <laughs> I, I would like to say as an educator that I, I, I don't think students should be graduating from high school without being aware of what their accommodations were. Um, and, you know, case managers really need to make sure every year that they are, you know, talking to them about what accommodations are being provided and ask them about whether they think they're effective. Are there any other adjustments that they would like to have? Um, you know, are there things they just aren't using because, you know, maybe the case manager was very generous in writing accommodations into the IEP, but the student really isn't interested and doesn't feel the need for some of them. So these are important things that should be happening long before they get to us. Um, and in fact, um, in my book and uh, also for free right now as a download from uh, my webpage, if you go to the page for, for my book with the reviews, the table of contents and everything there, you can get the free download of the um, accommodation request preparation form. It may not be exactly that title, but um, 
this is a form that case managers and parents can use with high school students to get them thinking about the information that they would need in order to come to us and ask for accommodations. Um, so uh, you'll find sometimes that when you go on a college's disability services office's uh, webpage, that they will have a list of accommodations that they are accustomed to granting. You'll see, I've seen that as I travel the country, I always look at the, um, the pages for these, uh, the state schools in whatever state I'm visiting um, and look to see what they have. So I've seen that come up on a lot of websites. Um, if not, certainly students can place a call and ask what kinds of accommodations schools typically grant. Um, you know, the disability person that they speak to won't know what might be appropriate for them until they turn in their documentation. Um, and on understood.org, uh, if you just Google um, understood common accommodations at college or something to that effect, um, you'll see a list that I think is pretty good of the kinds of things that are often available. Thank you for clarifying that, Elizabeth, uh, because... Yes, I, I was using the word entitled in terms of more so what is typically granted at the college level, sure. but but you are right that a lot of uh, people uh, are under the, the misconception that they are entitled in the sense that they, they can get the same things at the college level that they got at the high school level, which is not the case. I also agree with you that people should be better prepared do more homework, so to speak, more preparation work at the high school level so that the students and the parents are educated about what is to come, about what accommodations or modifications they are being given at the, at mm -hmm. the current level, at the high school level, and which accommodations might be able to be carried forward and what would be the appropriate way to ask for them once the student does get to college. So you made some excellent points there. Um, I also I want to move on to ask you, what are some of the positive things about the college experience for the students that you deal with, for example, with learning disabilities and ADHD? Well, I think, you know, that's sort of the, 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 the rest of my first answer to you about what's different. Um, what's different about the system, um, which makes some parents uncomfortable, I like to think actually makes students kind of happy. So, um, and I, I think it's important to know what those differences are, too, so we can sort of sell them on registering with us. So, um, you know, and I I don't know if we have time to get into this, but, you know, there was a huge national study done over 10 years. And um, of the students who went to four-year and two-year colleges, only 24% of those with learn, uh, learning disabilities actually registered for accommodations. And so to me, there's sort of a, a sense of urgency about this. And I think part of the answer to that you know, particular statistic is to talk to students about this very question. So we do not have special ed classes in college. You are in the same classes with your typical classmates. Um, if you have heard about um, students in college taking developmental classes because they didn't place out of those, you know, according to the, the school's placement test, 
those are for any student who didn't pass, you know, achieve a certain score on the SAT, ACT, or the, um, or the placement exam, but they are not special ed classes because we don't have special ed. Um, the only people who need to know that you have accommodations are the people involved in administering them. So obviously your professor will need to know if you're going to be taking your classes elsewhere or, you know, if it's a, a, a professor who doesn't allow laptops. Um, but you have been approved to use one to take notes, that professor will need to know. But students should know that we don't start every term at college by sending the entire faculty and staff a list of all the students registered with us. Um, it's, you know, their privacy is really important to us. Often, and I can't speak for every single college in the country because there are literally thousands, but it is very likely that the letter of accommodation that their coordinator will write for students once they get approved for accommodations, that is their way of informing professors, you know, that these students have been approved, generally will not say what their disability is. So again, their privacy is really important to us. And if, you know, students think it's important for professors to know that stuff, they can certainly go and tell them, but we won't do that for them. And so I think, you know, for those students, and hopefully it's not all of them, who, who have, you know, some feelings of stigma around special ed, I think what's important to let them know is, you know, and I use this expression in a, in a presentation, somebody really liked it, they're free agents. You know, they're sort of doing their own thing. They're, they're speaking only to the people who they really need to about their accommodations. And nobody else needs to know. So they are actually functioning in a completely typical environment. And it's really, as you say, up to the student as to how much they reveal or don't reveal. And the fact that they are able to function as independently as they can uh, or as they care to and uh, go, about, go about their business in the same way that any other student at the college does is absolutely wonderful, and I think that is something that is a big plus, and that is something that a lot of students don't realize when they first embark on the college experience. Um, but I'm sure you're right. Once they realize that, they're very, very happy about it. Um, and I know a lot of parents that, that the thing that's really tough for a lot of the parents <laughs> is the privacy issue because, well, what do you mean you can't tell me how my, my son or daughter mm -hmm. is doing? Or, well, what do you mean I, I, I can't just call and have access to this information anymore? So that's sure. kind of a, a, a tough one, I think, for a lot of the parents <laughs> well, to deal with. Don't forget, though, they will let you get the bill. Right. <laughs> That's the one thing parents yeah. can access to without much trouble. Is that so, that you can still have access to anytime you want, right? <laughs> right. Somehow that that one you can know about. But you know, you said something that just triggered me to 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 recall one other thing I wanted to mention. You know, we were talking about the differences and what makes maybe parents not so happy and students happy. One thing I left out too is obviously not only are you not in special ed classes, but we don't have uh, co-teachers or teacher aides in the class who, you know, for some students who didn't enjoy having, a, you know, a paraprofessional or a co-teacher come around to them in class, make sure that they were on task, you know, check in with them. That isn't happening at the college level either. So that could be another enticement to get them to register. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, and also for students that do need 
the extra help or uh, the the one-on-one or help with note-taking or whatever it is they might need in the classroom, that help is available to them if they ask for it and if they if they make the, the appropriate arrangements. So it is good to know that they do have options and they do have choices. Well, and, I'm, I'm going to put a, 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 a qualifier on that um, okay. because note-taking perhaps, you know, copies of a classmate's notes might be available to them, but, and maybe I misheard you, but generally, um, you know, some kind of personal aid or personal attendant um, would have to be approved by the college, but colleges don't employ those people. Students have to find their own um, aid and, you know, deal with them. Those folks may have to pass security checks, things like that. So, you know, right. help within the classroom. And I, maybe I misunderstood you, but I, for those who are listening whose student might have a one-on-one aid right now in high school, um, it doesn't mean you can't have one in college, but it would have to be approved. And, you know, basically the student is responsible for finding and dealing with that person. Um, right, right. It's not something that the college provides, but if it is something that the student needs and can provide through their own resources, correct. Appropriate arrangements can be made. At right, the and you, to allow that. The, I haven't. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I have not myself dealt with that kind of accommodation just by nature of the places that I've worked. Perhaps um, I do know just for those who are listening and thinking about it, um, sometimes uh, those students get access to that person through whatever you call it in your state, the Division of Vocational Rehab, um, you know, Rehabilitation Services um, might be the place to talk to somebody if you were looking for, you know, a person and for funding for that person. Right, exactly. It It is different state to state. For example, in California, uh, it's often provided through the regional centers. Uh, uh-huh. where they would okay. have a particular vendor that would provide that kind of a service. But, yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. you would have to be familiar with whatever agency would be able to provide that sort of service in your state, wherever you happen to live. So just moving on here, I wanted to ask you, in order to position themselves in the best way possible for success, what are some of the things that students who are differently abled uh, should be prepared to do in the college environment? That's a great question. Um, you know, the one that you see the most frequently online and, and in you know, other pieces is um, the self-advocacy piece. So, you know, self-advocacy is truly a huge, you know, overarching umbrella of, of, of many things. But um, it starts certainly with registering with my office, you know, for accommodations, um, seeking help when they need it. Um, you know, I, I worry sometimes that when students receive a lot of adult assistance and somebody's sort of always there with them, you know, to make them sit down and start homework and stay on task um, for how those students will manage without that person present, because there really isn't. Now, I've said that. Athletes um, often at universities will have required study halls, and so they have that, you know, I think it's kind of a benefit for a lot of students because there's so much free unstructured time at college, which is a huge challenge for all students. Um, So students, you know, will have to make up their own study uh, schedule to stay on track. It's very easy, you know, for work to just keep slipping by and slipping by. Um, 
they will have to go seek help if they need it. You know, you're, you're often reading um, on your own. There are no comprehension questions to answer so that you can go into class and say, well, I didn't, I didn't know how to answer that question. So um, figuring out how to know when you are on track, which can include talking to a classmate, going to office hours and saying to the professor, well, this is what I thought you said, or this is what I thought the author meant, but I don't know if I'm on track. Um, so those kinds of skills, uh, study, you know, exam preparation skills. Uh, I've seen over 20 years, sometimes professors will give all the students, you know, a list of 200 terms they need to know um, for the exam. It's just the terms. It's not typically, you know, the definitions or explanations or the formulas. So how do you take a semester's worth of reading and notes and prepare for an exam? So those kinds of things, you know, if they have practice before they leave, my big thing is I want students to leave for college feeling confident because they have experiences and they know they can do this stuff. It's so important. I think you've made some excellent points, Elizabeth, and uh, I think that this is certainly laying a good part of the groundwork in terms of information that people need to know to prepare themselves to, as parents and, and to help their, their children prepare uh, for the future if they do intend to go on to college um, in terms of what the student life will be like and what to expect. So at this point, let me ask, is there anything else that you would like to add that I have not asked you that we haven't covered? <laughs> and what do you think is the most important takeaway? for our listeners to remember from our conversation? So I think it's important to know that there is research showing there are plenty of students with learning disabilities, ADD, and other disabilities who are successfully completing school. Um, and to feel encouraged by that, when we look at the research, it tends to be students who are good, independent studiers, you know, and, and who have those self-advocacy skills, um, who keep a schedule, um, you know, utilize note-taking strategies and study strategies who study with other classmates effectively, go to office hours, all of those things, you know, that makes them successful. So I think that, you know, we, while we're, they're in high school, you had started, I think, by saying something um, about, you know, getting them ready to go. And I think, you know, the eighth grade IEP for the ninth grade should be the one that starts to talk about college um, and sets the goal and assesses where a student's skills are, what accommodations are being provided, and, you know, sort of set the trajectory for what kinds of things, you know, the student might need to learn before finishing high school so that she can go to college with these skills. Um, I worry sometimes that there's more of an emphasis on accommodating than there is on teaching students how to be independent learners. Um, and that can be tricky. You know, when you go on understood and you see the list of pretty basic accommodations, um, you know, you'll see that a lot of this work the students have to do on their own. And I want them to go knowing that they are prepared for this. And how can our listeners reach you if they have questions or if they want to know more? So uh, to know more, um, go to my website, which is www.ldadvisory, and that's L-D-A-D, 
V-I-S-O-R-Y.com. Um, have a look. There are loads of free resources there under families and students. You will see um, links to all the stuff that I've written and, and podcasts and all sorts of things and posts that I've written just for my site. Um, there's a link to my blog, which has bonus uh, interview content from my book, along with some other musings. Um, and there is a contact link right there that you can use to reach me. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for your time and for the very helpful information that you've shared with us today. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. I also want to thank our listeners for spending a part of their day with us. I'm Gilda Evans, reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.